Hey, this is Rachel Stonecipher, recording out of Dallas, Texas, with a bit of a sore throat. Sorry about that. And I'd like to welcome you, fair listener, to the inaugural podcast episode of Stone Butch Disco, which is actually a larger writing and creative project that you can find on the interwebs at stonebutchdisco.com. The whole SBD project is centrally based in lesbian writing and lesbian theorizing about language specifically. Um, We're trying to make some interventions into general philosophy, which, as we know, tends to exclude ideas and concerns that don't vibe with the patriarchy. So this first episode, it's going to be a little nerdy, but it'll also be a little funny, hopefully a lot entertaining, and I'd at least venture to say it's nerdy without being jargony. So we want to establish a starting point here. We hope you stick around for the conversation um, because we think this stuff about history, how we use language, and how words get stuck with meanings matters for everyone. We truly think that what we're saying matters. And we made this because, yes, we want to uplift butch lesbians as the title um, and the project implies, but also we made it for everybody who's trying to be a good person to other people in the world. Um, Enjoy. shouldn't talk about that are we being recorded right now yes is this thing live (laughs) (laughs) is this thing on uh it's on okay so this is we're falling into the um just pretend like mom is our audience oh babe you know yeah i can't believe that still look at the angle i it's because i straightened my bangs yesterday and i put hairspray in them but i straightened today Mm -hmm. and then today i wore them in a ponytail so all that hairspray So first off, apologies to listeners for this post-facto recording that I'm doing now. I have to do it now, or I don't know. I probably will put this off another couple days. So I'm just recording even though I've been sick. I apologize for my voice. Another quick clarification. My sister's not a lesbian, um, but I did because she's a language person. And well, by that, I mean like kind of a nerd and into discourse analysis like I am. I dragged her ass into this first episode because it became clear that Stone Butch Disco was going to be kind of like a discourse analysis project. And I know that sounds really nerdy, but please hang out because it's actually like super important, I think. So anyways, this is what happened and how we ended up recording together and spending the first possibly 10 minutes of our recording time discussing the like spiky nature of her bangs okay well that's pretty good you said this to mom mom. yep (laughs) she'll be so proud you know about the bumblebee won't my mommy be so proud of me that's how i feel when i say shit like that as like a 26 year old woman (laughs) welcome to a little podcast that we like to call stone butch disco um the principal chair women of it are um not the woman who's here with me today <laughs> but uh my wife Karina and my good friend Sam um but we've all been kind of watching the development of the project and we have gotten such heartening like really interested feedback on the academic side of uh the website that we have so we've got stonebushdisco.com and Without tooting my own horn, I can say that I'm responsible, actually not for better, but for worse, for torturing myself and writing for eight years and producing a lot of articles about things to do with butch lesbianism um, and like lesbian philosophy and stuff. So people have been actually like going to the website and checking that out and they, they appear to want that. So Sam and I decided, even though we've recorded like three episodes of this podcast that will come out later, we decided to kind of pull 
back, not pull back, but like reset and go like full nerd with the first episode um, so that we can kind of explain, I guess, the intervention that Stonebush Disco is going to try to make. Um, if it, Is it an intervention? I would say so. Okay. So the voice of the person that you just heard um, belongs to, was that a sentence that made sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, belongs to my sister Meredith, who is the one, the only person that I would ever drag in to the first episode of this that was going to go full nerd. Um, she is a teacher. She is a mom. She specialized in early childhood education in college. And so we nerd it out. Can I curse? Yeah. Okay. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of fucks that come out, but like we nerd the fuck out about all kinds of like, honestly, like, I don't know what's the word for the kind of feminist theory that we talk about. Like, I'll edit this out. Contemporary? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Contemporary issues mm-hmm. in um, feminist theory, but also like old and I school. Feel like we've been doing exactly this, this type of discussion since I was probably 15. Yeah. Like the, or when you first got your license, whenever that was, mm-hmm. we would get in the car and talk about our life experiences and how, and what we were viewing in the world, what we witnessed yeah. and what we experienced and it has just continued and the world has changed so much since then. I mean, that was, a, that was a long time ago, 10, 15 years ago. And so it's been a long time. Yeah. So I guess what we're doing now in a way is kind of turning around and looking back at all these conversations that we've been having and how, um, how we've been using words mm-hmm. and how the meanings of those words have changed. And in some cases stayed the same, but what happened, what had happened was I went to grad school, Mayor stayed here in Dallas, Texas, where we are from. And we'll talk about that ish in a moment. Being a lady, um, Southern lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she stayed here, became a teacher. I went to um, a PhD program at the University of Pennsylvania, where I studied discourse analysis. Like the name of the program was communication, but I was all about words, right? I study words because I think our whole family has always been interested mm-hmm. in talking and what talking can do I get, in the world. I get paid to talk every day. You do. Job. Yeah, you do. But I mean, even like, uh, I don't know if you felt this way, but like when we would talk to granny about just like random stuff, like politics in her back room, mm-hmm. it still felt like those conversations could go somewhere. Yeah, and oh, it, absolutely. Right. And it felt like if everybody was having conversations like that, we should all talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember us saying that, like, how many other people do you think are like talking about the same thing right now mm-hmm. that we like can't really get to? And that's another thing that social media has made all of this more relevant or like talk itself more, Yeah, maybe not more relevant, but more like spreadable. Yeah, yeah definitely more spreadable. And also in some ways scarier to talk about because <laughs> I mean, so much of our, I mean, it's your life experience. It's what the most insecure moments of your life are the things that we are discussing, you know, being a woman growing up as a young girl and, and the, the way that the world perceives us. And I mean, that's a very personal thing. So to, to have those conversations on social media and also now in current day, opening yourself up to more judgment and discourse that is a little bit a pointy. Well, <laughs> it just, yeah. Like it just disciplining. Feels, it's yeah, it is. And and in a way, and we'll get to that, is a little bit more like silencing. Like (laughs) you have all of this freedom to speak and say your piece on social media, but 
in a lot of ways, I don't feel comfortable doing that as I once did. I don't. Well, and as I got like more and more obsessed with the words that were being used, like my project in, in PhD world, which eventually I quit because there was so much hostility toward my project in PhD world. And Mare was there for all that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call Meredith Mare. She was there for that whole horrible, painful journey of me realizing that like the world I thought I belonged in was not a world I belonged in at all. Mm -hmm. Um, as I became obsessed with the words we were using, I realized that the words I was using were no longer being used for um, experiences in the world. Like things that I was trying to describe about myself were not out there enough and they weren't in the media. And from what, from what I remember, because this was, you know, several years ago and it wasn't my personal experience, but I was experiencing it through you. I, I remember getting frustrated by the process because you were, there was so much change that happened between your freshman year of college Mm. and the end of your PhD program and your, your personal identity and style and representation. And so much of you changed. And it frustrated me as a cis straight woman to have you find out who you are and then come out with your identity, come out with your sexuality and being told like, oh, that's incorrect. We don't use those terms (laughs) anymore. And I was like, but that's correct. That is correct for Rachel. That is exactly who Rachel is and how she is. And the fact that other people were like, hoity-toity, no. Yes. It's ridiculous. Well, the hoity-toity, no of the Ivy League is like the main beef that led me to this entire project. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, we're, we haven't exactly touched on the core issues about Mm -hmm. it because we're going to get to that in just a second. But basically I think this is all the feelings part, the feelings (laughs) part, right? Where this comes from. But like, I think what you're referring to is specifically my really, really caring about like my female body and being, having grown up as a girl in Dallas, Texas and becoming a butch lesbian and finding such freedom in the fact that like, girls like me could always do what the boys do, if you know what I mean, in bed and elsewhere, you know, and like really, really coming to terms with like who I was and then being told like, well, we don't actually use the word and specifically the word like lesbian in academic spaces. Mm -hmm. Or if we do, it's like as a kind of pluralist thing where like lesbians are one among everyone. But if you try to assert that like who you are as a lesbian is like specifically important to you and that that word belongs to your experience or ad- adheres to it in some way, then people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, and you've seen that, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. secondhand for this whole time, but um, we wanted to, because it's me and my sister, we thought we could start with the issue around the word female, which mm-hmm. is something that I like, and something that I got really positive feedback about, which, I, which was such a relief because I was really scared to even go into the discourse analysis around that word because it's a painful word it people Mm -hmm. it's painful for me it is Mm -hmm. painful for you it is a word that is like tinged with the entire weight of the patriarchy and what it has done to all of us and it's like something that for a lot of bushes we have to come to terms with where we sit in our Mm -hmm. in our bodies how we feel about where we come from if we change our bodies the trajectory through which we change them is this this nominally female, perceptibly female starting point. And that starting point is was so powerful to me. And I felt like being able to talk about it as a starting point was so crucial. And I noticed, and we'll get to that, but I noticed that 
a specificity around the materiality of the body was falling out of academic conversations, like falling out and also being pushed out. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about why the word female is painful Mm -hmm. so that we can get out onto the table that this is not a word that we love because we like, you know, clinging to it. It's a word that we use because we have to deal with it. Right. And so, um, or it's not, it's not even a word we love, we love. It's a word we can't dispense with. Right. And so, um, we got to fucking deal with it, man. So I was, I driving up to your house, I was thinking about that word and I was thinking about how much I despised men calling girls our age in Texas females. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how females are. Yeah. It felt very derogatory, very derogatory and objectifying. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't do the same thing to them at all. Speaking Nobody of- says males. I <laughs> literally, so we just recently bought a house. Um, I, I'm so offended. I, this is so <laughs> stupid, but I am so offended walking into Home Depot and seeing female ended plugs. Like, I know, know. <laughs> I, that that is is so unacceptable. And like, it's a word that like, I have to identify with because I am a cis female. Like that is, I, <laughs> that is how I straight cis female. Like that is how I identify. So that word is mine. Yet Ooh. it's also a plastic plumbing part. Like, ew. Well, and then there's a male one and it <laughs> goes into the female one. <laughs> it goes in the hole. So, so disgusting. But I literally saw the old. word female and a price tag. And like, I'm not going to get all <laughs> theoretical on you guys, but like female and a price tag, come on. It just, it skews me out big time. I hate it. But it's, that's the kind of thing. It's like, it's everywhere. In, even when it's like. The patriarchy's everywhere. Well, what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> I did not hear what you said. <laughs> well, okay. it's not. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying about like it's everywhere. But the thing it is, is, it's inescapable. It which is. sucks, and it's like the materiality of it is inescapable. Like mm-hmm. the idea, even if that's not what female is going to come to mean, we're never going to get away from like the icky way that our bodies are like interpolated by these words yes. and like made to feel like part of that discourse. When, right. Right. Well, I don't want it. When, ew. Um. But so like yeah, female did feel derogatory growing yes. up. It's a it's like people just decide. <laughs> I just remember like ugh. talking about like not talking about, but just I remember specifically male coaches when I was in middle school talking about like boys, dudes, blah blah blah, football, and then like the females, the female locker room, the female yes. sports and pl- volleyball is so like there's females and like or when we would have conversations in middle school, they'd be like, boys, you need to stay away from the females. They don't want to talk, to whatever. Yes. And it just, it was not, it was like we were other. We were not part of the group. They were, yes. they were speaking to the boys right. about the females, mm-hmm. meaning all of us. Right. It, there was a, The boys were almost individualized in a way that yes. they were. They were speaking yeah. to them point by point. And then they were saying the gaggle of females. Right. It reminds me of a time in my life when boob size was all that mattered. Yeah, boobs and butt. I was is real. <laughs> I was on the larger. I'm a larger lady, um, and there was a scale when I was in school, and I was the upper scale. It was a scale from one girl to Meredith. Did that literally make your fucking day? Yes, it did. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I was like, oh my gosh, that is the most incredible thing in the entire world. I've that never I, had better news than I've this. never, and it wasn't like I was a chunky, chunky. I mean, I was a hefty girl, but. I, the fact that I was the attainable body yeah. at that time in my life, which now makes me like cringe, but right. I mean, I, mean I, was, I, I was so excited dude. to have the ideal female figure for mm. a, what, 11, 12 year old 
Ew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, but also, why were they doing that measuring? I don't know. It was a school so, from... at school too. Yeah, like everybody. I would have been like, well, I don't feel oh, good today. Like, it wasn't a real scale. It uh, it was from you from her to you. Yes. <laughs> so like, where did where did Ashley fall? She fell between somewhere Wait, between. Okay. So was this in health or gym or what? I don't I don't know who created Dude. the scale, but I just know that I was on the upper end. Hold on, did an adult create this scale? <laughs> no comment i don't know <laughs> I, we i will say one of our teachers did get fired because he would hang out at my locker i don't know okay. if he got, I don't know if he got because of me but he definitely got fired for many creepy things and one of them was he would wait at my locker and that's one in about 75 million times that you've had creepy interactions <laughs> with thank god i got know fat and ugly because that was really a time-consuming thing when i was younger <laughs> your fat phobia in yourself. i'm also weighing myself right now Oh, that is separate from ugly. I am ugly. Uh, I am ugly oh, and proud. Okay. And also, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm so glad that I'm not having to deal with those Good. people. Okay. No, oh, groups. no, no, no. Two okay. separate things. Discourse analysis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, no, no. Zero fat phobia. Okay. I am got it, got it, got loving got it. it. I'm also ugly and loving it. So <laughs> yeah, totally. They are not, those Two are different. mutually. Evolutionary paths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, being called female sucked. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say something else about your experiences though. I was going to ask you a question. What was it? What was it? What was it? Nope. It's gone. Okay. Okay. So I'll be here all night. <laughs> uh, maybe I was going to say we should talk about compulsory heterosexuality because, oh, you use the word cringe. Oh, and I was mm -hmm. like, speaking of cringing, basically okay. all of my years of being alive between, I would say 11 and 17, mm -hmm. I was living a life that was a grand lie mm -hmm. and I was really good at it do you remember how good I was at you being straight really good at being straight I was so pretty so annoying about it you really like hair drying straightening eyeliner yeah. and I had been you, you remember I had been this like butch little lesbian kid where somebody totally were street hockey street hockey and then bugs because the kid who was bullied because this yes. was a bullying term or this was a bullying mode was saying like are you a boy or a girl and um, I got that question all the time yeah yeah and so that, and I would be like, I'm, I'm a girl. And luckily I had like a kind of feminist response to that, probably thanks to mom. And I was mm -hmm. like, hey, granny. like, yeah, what a dumb question. Right. But I mean, that is the kind of like disciplining shit that of course it hurts. Of course it hurts, yeah. but, um, it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of like own it, I guess you like keep your head above water. But the thing is I didn't really own it because what happened when I was like 11, because we were all like very in Dallas, you have to be compulsorily heterosexual yes. at a very young age. Like higher the hair, the nine. closer to Jesus, starting at four. Yeah. Like everybody's a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Yeah. Like, in training. Um, and so I'm still training. Oh, how's that going? That's not great. <laughs> I I saw I went to a field trip um for school at, to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and I cannot even begin to describe to you how small their pants are like they I have not worn underwear that size since I was probably eight years old they are the mm -hmm. smallest mm -hmm. that would not fit one hoot nanny like I don't <laughs> know how they stay covered so good luck to them I don't really know what unit of measurement a hoot nanny is but I you don't know <laughs> I'm sure it's female um because they would not they would not put a male in that <laughs> little skimpy thing uh patriarchy okay. okay hashtag patriarchy well and we're using the word female and we're already and i'm clicking and i'm clicking <laughs> sorry <laughs> i wrote it right in the microphone <laughs> but i think what i what happened to me and you but for you it was like less crazy because you actually are straight but mm -hmm. 
for me, and I know I know you felt it though. I didn't mean to minimize. Oh no, 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 you're not. I feel so minimized right now. <laughs> Go for it. Uh-huh. I got my shit together, meaning I got really straight really fast because mm-hmm. like when especially when you're like a young girl who's not right because she's playing street hockey or whatever mm-hmm. the hell, you realize that the easiest way to be right and to do right and whatever is to like get straight play the game, play the game, mm-hmm. play the game. And I was like, and boy, did you, and somehow managed to date every other person to end up gay ever. Like you That's found true. that you were like, we are going, you're, you're my beard right now. We are doing this and, together. Yeah, he didn't even know I was his beard. Cause right. he didn't know. Well, I neither didn't know of us gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all just going through the motions and pretending to be straight. It's so. true. It's, she is correct that pretty much every guy I dated turned out to be gay. Um, but I, basically the, the like TLDR, TLDL too long, didn't listen of everything that we've just said is like I get how and why we all have beef with the word female Mm -hmm. like it's a word that sucks and we all would love for there to be no patriarchy and no reason for words like female feminine male masculine to be in our vocabulary but here we are we're stuck and so I study words Mare is a nerd who's had to listen to my study of words and is also nerded out with me so that's why we're here doing this um I hope we edit this thing. It's going to be hours long. It's going to be hours long. But okay. So one of the reasons that we took it, that Sam and I were talking about taking the, this podcast in an academic direction first is because we became a scared that to say things like what I said on, on the Instagram thing, mm-hmm. like that 20 minute, whatever, when I was like, here's how the word female is interesting, blah, blah, blah. We thought that if we say stuff like that, we're going to get canceled. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is we didn't think we're going to get canceled by straight cis people. We thought we were going to get canceled by the queer community for like mm-hmm. trying to discuss the materiality of being a butch lesbian. And by materiality, I mean like the way your body is it a problem. Yeah. Um, And a, not just a problem, but a thing to be celebrated. So what we're doing here is powering through people's fears that like that we're going to do harm by using the words we use I don't we don't believe we're going to do harm by talking about what it means to have been us growing up what it means to have our bodies we actually think we're and Mayor thinks this too (laughs) we actually think like we can do a lot of good here by Mm -hmm. by having and promoting intelligent conversations about the words that we use today to describe ourselves and about like people like me who mayor knows have a really hard row to hoe in this mm-hmm. world. And it's, it's arguably getting harder Yes, in, in some ways. And so we are here to like brave the, whatever storm, which I still don't think there should be a storm, but whatever storm may be coming our direction because we're using the term female and we're referring mm-hmm. to a specific trajectory of a human body through time and space. Um, we're going to weather that because we love butch, women. Quick interjection here to explain that um, in the writings on the website, I've really gone into why I think we should separate the term female from the term woman, um, because I think it's useful to, uh, like, both for separating those experiences, because those words don't necessarily, like, cohere in the self-description of a single person, um, but also to be able to analyze when they do cohere in the self-description of a single person. So truly, this, this podcast is, and I just want to establish, like, at the very beginning, this is not meant to be an act of exclusionism, um, but the podcast is specifically kind of made for the 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 convergence of 
the identities, female, woman, lesbian, and butch, in one person. And that's, that's I'm using female there as an identity, but really it would be more of a self-descriptor based on a kind of material situation um, of femaleness. And I, there's, I've spilt ink on why I think it might be useful to conceptualize female, not as some kind of biological construction, but as a material situation that a lot of different people um, come up through. So there's a lot of complicated stuff happening here with language, but the reason that we talk about butch women and butch lesbians in our podcast as like kind of the people that we want to uplift is because in a lot of places in culture among both straight and queer communities, those aren't communities, among both straight and queer people, um, that, that converging identity of butch, lesbian, woman, female, of people who own all of those at once is incredibly underprivileged, right? Like in media spheres and just in interpersonal conversations. So that's why we are, that's why we are uplifting those people, but not to the exclusion of anyone else, just as, as our central kind of corrective to a, a sort of enforced invisibility that is deeply patriarchal and remains. And we think, well, I'm, women, I'm straight. No, I'm straight. <laughs> not like that. Uh, but we think, we think everybody, all kinds of women, deserve to to have their own you know identity territory mm -hmm. and we feel like butch lesbian i mean i mean in in this time of talking i think it is so important that we are talking about pronouns and identity and you know and being i'm i'm so incredibly like thankful in all of the change that has happened in the world as of like i remember like gay marriage being passed like that is a monumental thing that has happened so recently <laughs> that it is incredible to me that we have, have made so much incredible progress. And yet it also still baffles me the hardships that I know that Rachel faces and that people who identify like Rachel or similarly to Rachel also face. The, the amount of fear that has come with this podcast or this website, or even just people speaking out. I know that having people on the podcast or hosting or doing whatever has been a task because people are so fearful yeah. of stepping into the space in support. Yes. And even, so you've even, seen even, that. even I, I, it's not that I think that the space is invalid of any way, shape or form, but I am nervous about specifically backlash. Yeah. Not because anything is crazy that we're saying, but it just feels that the, the energy around this topic is so um negative well just reactionary <laughs> yeah it's like it's not listening to understand it's just I, I don't even know how to describe it and two things that you've seen as you know we started recording episodes moments that scared everybody where everybody like clenched their buttholes when we were talking about the show feel good which you know made me cry mm -hmm. I came to you after I saw that show and it's not like because I'm you're I'm, not an emotional person not usually um mm -hmm. And I wasn't feeling like it was really an individual attack. I was more just exhausted because what that show says, if we're going to take <clears throat> Mae Martin, who's non-binary in real life, but uses she, her pronouns on the show. If we're going to take Mae Martin's character's words as like the perspective that the show wants to promote, which I was a film major, you know, if you're looking at the tactics of representation in the show, she's the one who gives the funny asides. Mm -hmm. She's the one who like, her subjectivity is how we're supposed to kind of view the world that she's in. Um, what, what happens in that show in episode five, where I had to pause because I was crying. 
was um she is like having sex with her girlfriend george and she she says can i go there i don't know where you're going because i have not personally watched feel good yeah you're right i only gave you like the brief overview but she basically blubbering tears so right 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 um so but are we allowed to talk about sex i'd rather not (laughs) because of professional yeah yeah i know so basically she and you can watch this episode actually actually go to the website so that i don't have to embroil meredith in some kind of teacher controversy thank you but go go to the freaking website um because i wrote a little thing about how there's a scene where basically she's like oh my gosh i'm really enjoying this and then her girlfriend says something and she freaks out and decides that she cannot be a woman and have that experience that she just had that she has to have another identity and you know, I'm not alone. There are so many butch lesbians who were watching that show and who responded on Instagram and said, that really hurt me. I couldn't watch the show after that scene. It made me feel like, you know, yet again, like culture is just punching down at us. Mm -hmm. And the initial reactions to our like kind of analysis of it, which we had recorded on another episode, which is again, sitting in the files in the archives is, um, was to say, oh my God, thank you guys for talking about this. But then some people immediately said, you know, kind of how dare you attack Mae Martin's non-binary identity. And experience. And it's like, and but, experience. but I'm explaining my experience. Well, you know? not only am I explaining my experience, but let's pause for a minute. We're talking about Hollywood representation. So like what happened in the show is that Mae Martin used she, her pronouns the entire time through that show, but like has a crisis around being female that really isn't resolved in any satisfactory way and it's her perspective is presented in this way so when we're talking about it what we're doing is like critique social critique we're not saying there's anything wrong with may martin living their best life in the universe right it has nothing to do with may martin it's all about representation and how you know butch lesbians there's no butch femme sex between female-bodied humans on television like Mm -hmm. not like in the way that we actually do it or the way that would upset straight people the most like it's it doesn't exist and you can you can see how butch lesbians are kind of watching the whole world get cooler with all kinds of sexuality Mm -hmm. and we're like yeah but what about ours yeah and then the moment it appears which this is the really heartbreaking thing is that so many of us were like oh my god it's me and then in the next 10 minutes of the show it falls apart And it was just, it was this kind of weirdly devastating moment for me that Meredith had to hear about. But we were scared, the team behind the website and our team of supporters and stuff, who also, by the way, many of whom want to stay anonymous because they're worried about backlash in their own lives for speaking about their experiences. And that just hurts me so much. So a lot of our supporters were like um, scared that that backlash was going to roll and roll and snowball into something where they're like, these people are, you know, turfs. Cause that's the word that gets you, that seems to get used when <laughs> trans exclusionary radical feminist. Right. Okay. So that's, that's the, the kind of shorthand for somebody who is, who is truly um, what's the word antagonistic mm-hmm. toward trans people. Right? right. And what's, what's become, you know, strange about that word. And I think a lot of like, I think a lot of lesbians honestly have noticed that that word kind of gets tossed out at situations where there's no animosity being expressed. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was a useful word at a certain point, but now it almost feels like it's a silencing mechanism Mm -hmm. in such, not all the time, but in situations where like, that's not actually what's happening. There's no animosity. We're, We're actually only talking about ourselves. We're not talking about like anything to do with trans people's experience and existence, which is a separate valid thing. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I've been called a turf in t- like twice 
in mm, situations yeah. where uh that's not that doesn't apply it doesn't it just it doesn't, doesn't apply, apply at all because it's not like i mean <laughs> if, if we're calling someone a turf one that's super rude um and two it you're you're claiming that that's their identity and like you don't identify with being a turf right like true right? like okay. a trans trans exclusionary radical feminist would be somebody who is antagonistic to trans people and that is being not... in feminism right which, and those people I think do exist and I've seen discourse that certainly is like turfy or whatever Mm -hmm. but I know that it's almost hard now to tell whether somebody is like ironically identifying with that word because they think it's it doesn't apply to them it's just yeah it's become so clear that like that term has just exploded Mm -hmm. and we were like you know everybody's like worried that we're gonna attract attention like that and I was just you know we were all like like, we're nerds we're just trying to talk about words surely we can do this yourself like it, yeah, it with words not, it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else's identity or sexuality it is just the fact that your identity and your sexuality is not being represented or respected right and it's social critique like you know so much of the backlash that i've seen online about these issues has been so quick to say stop attacking me and you're like well it's not even about human beings we're mm-hmm. actually just talking about representation like mm-hmm. i'm talking about what's on television you know like it it's a totally different level of analysis so we're this podcast is going to try to take it to that level of analysis so that we can stay there and look at you know the patriarchy as you know the thing that is and you know it's ill-defined it's impossible to define but we do understand that it is everywhere it is if you're a michelle Foucaultian person power is everywhere our lives are structured by it so like patriarchal ideas operate above human beings that's what we're trying to look at so in honor of our favorite podcast can we say it's our favorite yeah okay. the prosecutors okay so that's an oh yeah for Meredith. it's definitely my favorite um brett and alice we love you sorry you're showing up here on kind of a weird podcast you probably didn't expect this is a bit out of left field um but the prosecutors podcast is like one of those I just think it's one of those really well thought out things that is trying to like show a perspective that doesn't exist. They're so like in a way, way we have professional. They're <laughs> way professional, but like in a way we have something in common with them or like something. Like we could be kind That's of a like stretch. No. <laughs> we are nowhere near their level. Um, but they do this, well, they did this episode where Scott Peterson, the guy who murdered his wife, like for sure, for sure. Guilty. Um, he was maybe gonna get a new trial. And so uh Brett and Alice released an episode that was simply titled Scott Peterson is guilty, and it was a rejoinder to the documentary that really does misrepresent like what happened in his trial and you know there was there were certainly issues with the jury blah 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 but Brett and Alice were like here we're gonna give like point by point like examples of why we're saying this like examples of why we don't think you should get a new trial and we're just gonna go rapid fire so Scott Peterson is guilty we're gonna do our own version called the patriarchy is guilty and I am going to um I have a list here and Mare has a list in her head mine's written down of like moments in my life where butch lesbians were just like completely shit on. And that is why I am here doing what I'm doing because I I love my people and we deserve to have dignity. And shout out to you for being willing to put your, your neck out there because I know that you have gotten not necessarily, uh, I would say unkind, that's a teacher word, unkind things have been said to you. Um, but it's truly coming from a place of, I feel projected fear from those people um when it, I, I feel like everyone is pointing the finger at somebody else to be guilty and to be the antagonist and it, you're fighting within the community of people who should support each other instead of looking at patriarchy and right. that's exactly what's right, happening right, right, right. 
So shout out to you. Well, thank you so much. Um, and the other thing, so this, this podcast is going to operate on the basis that like looking at the way power operates means we have to examine our own lives, right? Because all of us are ensconced. That's not the word, but like kind of in what's the word we are, we are within soaking in submerged in moist. We are moist with the patriarchy. All of us are enveloped in that's maybe what I was not sogged. Soggied. Soggied. Um, <laughs> so words are words. That's our whole podcast, right? What are we even talking about? <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to be talking about like examining words people use, which, and here's where things get tricky. Okay. That's going to include words people use to describe themselves, but we're not going to talk about or problematize or have any beef with any individual person's like it's more about the way of being. It's yeah. the trend of the use of the word. That is one hundred percent, and what it's becoming to represent, rather than what. And I don't know. So okay, two two things that we're going to start with. Gender is not natural. There is nothing about whether you are a man or a woman or non-binary that is inbuilt into you. We I think we both can agree. Is that the best way to put it? Restate. So like where we talk about the word female and male because like their bodily experiences of like being a person that we just like kind of can't escape anatomically anatomically which just sucks and it's not like biologically like it's inescapable it's inescapable and i don't think we need a notion of biology to even know that we just have to like look at how people are treated we just have to look at how people are treated to know that like the body you have matters not just like when you go to the doctor but like all the time and um reproductive rights Roe v. Wade, for instance. Um, but also like for trans people, it's not, I don't think, ethical or helpful at all to pretend like trans men's experiences of transitioning are analogical or like similar to trans women's experiences of transitioning. Right. Like I think where you start from, it sh- structures your experience, structures the specific like, you know, stuff that you're going to face and stuff that you're going to love and stuff that you're going to hate about mm-hmm. your interface with the medical system, like all that. So um Anyway, materiality, yes. But when we're talking about gender, like whether you're a man, a woman, or non-binary, I think what I think safely that this podcast is going to start from the idea that like those are just so cultural roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you whether you take on being masculine, feminine, or kind of a mix as your identity, those are those are cultural, right? Mm-hmm. And that's based on we'll get to this later, but the kind of foundational feminist idea that like sex and gender are two different things, right? Which is why you can be gender non-conforming because then your gender doesn't conform to your sex, which would then make like somebody like me gender non-conforming, right? Um, and it's this this like painful shitty thing that like those words are all wrapped up in each other. But I think we have to start with the understanding that like the words that we pick therefore are gonna be political. Like if I say I'm a woman and I look like me, that's kind of a political choice. Um, if I say I'm non-binary and I look like me, that's a political choice that's doing different things politically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so identity, and there's, it's not just me, but there's leagues and leagues of theory in feminism and queer, something we could call queer theory on how like those words, like identities always, always are processes of exclusion. So when you say you are something, you're also saying you're not something else. Mm-hmm. And that is that that moment of elucidating or putting into words what you are is therefore political is therefore a word that suddenly has power in the world because it's an act of exclusion 
we follow? Yeah. Okay. So, so the reason that we're going to have to talk about words is because certain words are always going to be privileged. This is Foucault 101. If you've read Michel Foucault, like the word, the ideas of what we even think are true are contingent on where history has brought us essentially. Like things are structured by what has been before and ideas about where things are going. And so there is essentially structure in the world. And for us to use words is to either kind of like, or it's always essentially to draw upon tools that have been made for us to describe ourselves, right? Yes. They're not coming straight out of our souls. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. Um, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is we're going to have to draw a line between judging people, which is what everybody like is afraid we're going to get seen as doing right? Judging people for like using a certain identity term. That is 100,000 million billion percent, not at all what we want to do here. The idea is if we think about the words that are being privileged over others in the larger, broader social discourse of LGBTQ um, progress, right? Things that are labeled as progress, then we can understand how, you know, we are all part of a world wherein the tools that are made for us, those words that are made for us can still be inflected with power in ways that we need to examine. So the whole, the whole idea is like, this podcast will help us think that is the goal. This podcast will help us think it'll help us make like informed decisions about things we want to say about ourselves. For instance, I have long been on the fence about whether it would make sense, depending on the political context I'm in to say that I'm non-binary like depending on my audience, yeah. right? Because it's it's not, and this is something that you heard when I was in grad school, it's not like so far apart from my conception of myself that I have very clearly kind of masculine elements to me and very clear feminine ones. But I've always like clung to the gender of woman because that to me feels like a political intervention since I pass as a dude. Mm-hmm. But then like there are situations where non-binary identity is a political intervention. For instance, I have friends who are femmes, femme lesbians, and who would call themselves lesbians depending on the context, but who say that they are non-binary and very self-consciously do so because they want to express that they are like cis women with a difference, right? Like mm-hmm. they want to say like, I am a cis woman, but I'm, but I'm queer in a way that makes me kind of off center from femininity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's that's a political move of a certain sort, and it works for your own purposes in you know whatever political context. But my my point in saying all this is that the words that we choose are indeed inflected by the like power relations around us. Like for instance, everybody knows that non-binary is like a newish identity, mm-hmm. and it's it's felt like a relief to a lot of people that now that's a word that they can use and they can own. But the very fact that that has emerged just now in history is powerful, and it's mm-hmm. something that is worthy of you know considering right as we consider all the different kind of positionalities within the lgbtq movement who has privilege blah 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 which we'll get into so we're gonna have to talk about those words on that note you you felt offended for me in new orleans do you want to talk about that yeah um so i have been offended on rachel's behalf um a lot of my life (laughs) and (laughs) um i remember sitting down at a really adorable restaurant in the French Quarter. And our waiter was the cutest little human being I've ever seen in my entire life. He was absolutely adorable. And we walk in and he misgenders Rachel. 
And so he says, hey, sir, what can I get for you? And her girlfriend at the time, who was very feminine looking, obviously gets gendered correctly um, as a female. Hang on right quick, because we will come back to address Mare's use of the word female right there. And um, it was frustrating for me because I watched Rachel kind of take a step back like, okay, well, and she she was very polite about it. And so oh, I'm actually a woman. And he was mortified, absolutely mortified. And then um, when he came back to the table, instead of then saying she, her, knowing that she's a woman, he trying to do his best, I think, at getting yeah. correct genders, went to they, them. And he asked, like, he just stopped using pronouns altogether um, and didn't say ma'am or sir or anything, which, I mean, that's totally fine. But then when Rachel went to the bathroom, would ask, do they want anything else? And I was like, well, she already told you she's a woman. <laughs> and so you can use she, her pronouns. And so, I mean, there have been so many times that Rachel has been misgendered in my presence. And she, what was it? The uh, ballpark that you went to where, sir, 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 you need to, sir. Oh my God. And, yeah. Oh, it was the airport. And there was a security officer getting so angry. And we were like, who is he yelling at? So we start looking around and he's misgendering Rachel. And she goes, oh, I'm actually a woman. And he like is not necessarily stunned by it but just is so taken aback and just did it in the face of misgendering Rachel was like well I never thought that happened pretty much like yeah that's not the way that that typically goes um and so in those instances resorting to no pronouns at all um has been the the yeah the or, kind of common right ish. moving to they them even though rachel has specifically corrected them by saying i'm a woman yeah i mean and so on the one hand i love that intervention like i love that just existing as myself and passing as a man and then being able to very politely be like i'm actually, hey, I'm actually a woman <laughs> um like that that can be done in the world makes me feel better it makes me feel like my walking around and dealing with that bullshit mm. is like paving the way for other women who can look different now and all the bathrooms all the bathrooms all the bathrooms but it's like paving the way for other women mm-hmm. well feet okay hold on our language is already getting twisted because before you had said the word female and i think you meant the word woman if we're going to draw kind of an analytical oh, yeah, line right. yeah right if we're going to draw an analytical line between femaleness and womanness then we're going to have to get comfortable with using the word female to talk about Except like i was talking about your identity which you is were, female and woman you were but i don't tell me what you think about this okay i think we should stop treating female like an identity. I think that's where a lot of the confusion is coming from. I think that like we sh- we should not treat it like it's just like the truth biologically, but I think we should treat it as a material situation. Let's call it a situation that you are born into, that you are thrust it's into a situation. against like your will. It's a situation. So I think we need to separate female as a situation mm-hmm. from woman as an identity, which because those things don't like Correct. necessarily co-appear, coexist, right? Um cohere that's the word so i love that i love that like i can pave the way for female bodied people to look different than like some narrow definition of femininity and still be able to say they're women i like that i like that like maybe the next time that security guard won't be so surprised or whatever it it almost makes me it hurts more or i don't know if it hurts or just makes me like sad for the state of the universe but getting they them almost feels worse than getting he hemmed Mm-hmm. because because i don't think that the people who do that necessarily learn 
okay that they i would agree mm-hmm. because and here's why well it's because it the they them is viewed as a neutral statement yes and it's not quite neutral so it's similar when you were a kid and they were like are you a boy or a girl right except th- at that at that point in time because we're ancient there was no neutral <laughs> there was yeah. no neither there was no non-binary there was no they them and so there was only feminist i'm a girl yeah, exactly that was literally so my only response like was yeah. like yeah i'm gonna throw and it's not that that's it's great that that was the only response but that was literally your only option was to be like a pissed off little feminist child or to cave right right and so i i could totally see how the the new the neutrality of that statement while that is wonderful for so many people and that is exactly how they identify that's not how you identify and it's not neutral for me it's not neutral for you it's it's just as offensive as misgendering that is a misgenderment of you yeah and the reason it feels like a worse misgender a misgendering i don't know but the reason it feels like a worse one is that like like the waiter right Mm -hmm. you can almost not this is so true you can almost not get people to stop they theming you if they've decided that that's the safest thing um and it's like i don't and you can't ever have the conversation where like i will hey it's not a high horse to they them someone like you and i will never be them yeah i am extremely (laughs) uh woman passive female passive yeah what word are we using uh you are you would be female like you are perceptibly female i am perceptibly female so i will will never and have never been misgendered that would would not happen um and so watching it happen over and over and over where people are they theming and we use that as a verb i don't know if other people use that as a we verb. use that as a verb because it keeps happening it keeps we don't happening it's, it's shorthand it's an action that keeps happening so we have used they theming as a <laughs> verb because it keeps happening um but you continuously get they themed um and even after correcting people people that, that are your keep, friends people that know you will continue to use they them pronouns because they feel that it is a neutral way to refer to you though that is not how you identify yeah and meanwhile like they're not neutrally referring to you or as they 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 would not that would not even be in their realm of thinking which sucks yeah a lot and i'll say the majority of the time the reason from my perception given i'm not part of the lgbtq plus community other than an ally um but i see the the repeat the repetitive misgendering seems to happen with people who are more comfortable or more aware of the discourse in the lgbtq plus that's community so true and that's so weird they're trying so hard to be inclusive but by doing that they are also excluding your identity the ones who repetitively do that that specific misgendering for you i'm talking about your experience yes and that and who keep doing it are the continuously ones continuously keep doing it they're the ones who think they have the moral high horse right. like they like or they know they, that it's neutral and i make this joke all the time i said or they think that your she her thing is a phase and your oh god your next pokemon evolution is going to be they them or he him and you're going to transition at some point because yeah they i don't know why but it seems that the patriarchy is really instilled in them that that he him is the ultimate um yeah. pedestal for where rachel's trajectory is going <laughs> Ma- in life masculine females can only go one direction can only go which, one direction and it's not to say that masculine females don't go that direction or shouldn't it's that like it's not a blanket in, statement it's not a blanket statement and amid this world where like straight people have been saying for years that butch lesbians just want to be men right now you've got queer people who are thinking that butch lesbians <laughs> just want to be men <laughs> what's happening so and that's that we're kind of 
already and i'm sorry if i'm not pc i'm trying to understand your heart is pc my heart is it really (laughs) is and i'm trying i'm trying to understand because i'm also like i feel like a total boomer this entire like through this entire conversation because none of this language existed when i was a kid existed while i was going through puberty none of my friends that i was when i was younger none of my friends were non-binary or have none of mine have transitioned none of my friends have transitioned so i'm i'm still getting used to this terminology and how to discuss it so the patients would be awesome as we yes so you're saying like the patients around giving us a chance to understand and then giving us a chance to understand but also also we have our own um we i'm talking about every single cis straight person no um (laughs) um, i specifically have my own opinions on and, and questions opinions and questions about why my sister is misgendered or why why people feel the need to transition and sure those are personal questions that no one has to answer but it is zero percent coming from a place of transphobia at all like none at all there's no judgment there is no it is just 100 percent curiosity and it's not your place to inform me that's completely fine you do not have to educate me on such if you do not feel like you want to but the fact that this sentence has come with 99 disclaimers tells you how scared i am (laughs) of saying the wrong thing because there's zero transphobia there that's not yeah and I mean like you can tell the difference like you and I have very similar kind of hearts around these issues but I got more comfortable using they them pronouns because I lived in a city where there were more non-binary people for a long time and it's just like um giving people the grace of like seeing that they're trying is so important which is why I think we just need more talking we need more talking in all ways as a teacher I have had non-binary students because I, I don't want to say this is like new trendy, but like this is a new thing, right? So I have had students that identify as non-binary and 100% I do my, I, I got very good at using yeah. they, them pronouns right, for right. those specific students and calling them by um, their, you know, new name. What do you call it? You could say chosen name. Chosen or... name, chosen name. Um, so, I mean, I, I, that's not an issue, but I do wish that there was more conversation about why my students who have identified as non-binary felt the need to do so felt that that was a better I guess better a better um, category because frankly it's a category so this is Foucault 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 right that we're going academic when we're talking about this categories are as I kind of said in a messy way before these like already entrenched political things. Like when you assert belonging in a category, you're making a move of some kind. For me to say I'm a lesbian, for me to say I'm a woman. Like when the student says that they are non-binary, they are no longer female. Right. Or they're no longer longer a woman. A woman. But you and I have had these conversations because, and here, let's just go ahead and get to it. So we have our thing. It's like Scott Peterson's guilty. The patriarchy is guilty. Wow. That we took a 40 minute detour. I know we did. But like, these are things that we have seen that are, that are painful to both of us, but especially to me Mm -hmm. that we have been talking about for years. And so we're going to go through it. So you heard what we can kind of try chronologically. Okay. Back in 2014, when I moved to Philadelphia, I thought, okay, I just came out as gay last year. I can, I'm going to a place that's enlightened, right? Like I was going to Penn. I was like, okay, there are going to be gay people everywhere. That's great. Welcome with open arms. And then um, in short order, I realized that there was no one there like me 
that there were actually more people like me that I knew in Dallas, even distantly, than I could find in Philadelphia. And that was interesting because it tells me that there is some regional specificity, like Dallas is a big city, but then what is going on sociologically that like the terms people are using are so very different. Mm -hmm. Um, Colloquialism. Colloquialism. So like I get up there and learn that I'm butch like pretty quickly, like learn that the way that I've been perceived in my very short adult life has been kind of at odds with what I, with the way I want to present myself mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm the specific kind of lesbian. Right. And then I start to realize that, um, the word lesbian is no longer being used, mm-hmm. no longer being used in academic spaces where I was, the word was queer. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And we that's were inclusive because it was a good umbrella term, which mm-hmm. it was, it is right. It like is, it yeah. functions that way. But I would, I would say the word lesbian and I heard these are, real things that happened that you are aware of, that the word lesbian is a white word. Okay. I heard that the the word butch is a trans identity. So butch, the similarities between butch women and trans men were constantly being signaled, but in order to subsume the one into the other, in order to say that butch women are essentially making a trans intervention in the world. And I thought at the time, okay, does that explain why there's nobody here like me. Mm -hmm. And I also thought at the time, am I trans? Because at all the events that that were happening at the LGBT center there, not like they were doing great work, but there were a lot of really painful moments for me in that building because um, I would go to events and we would all go around the circle and say our pronouns and it would get to me and I would say she, her. And there, there were so few people in the room who were she, her identified that I started to think that I was doing it wrong. It was, this is just the truth of the matter. The people who I really thought were gonna be like me, like like lesbian feminist writers, you mm-hmm. know, like writing about lesbian feminism, reading lesbian feminism, which was, you know, the stuff, the books that I carried with me to grad school, like there was a lot of lesbian philosophy in there because I had just kind of come out and I was reading lesbian philosophers and I realized those people weren't getting read at all. Or if they were getting read, like Judith Butler, they were getting completely misread and queerified, right? Like nobody ever talked about the fact that Judith Butler was even a lesbian, even though that's truly the heart of all of her theory. And she deals with sexual difference in all these smart ways. And it just wasn't happening in my classes. And I was like, this is weird. And then it wasn't happening in gay spaces like I wasn't happening. I was truly just sitting in rooms thinking, wow, everyone who looks like me is either non-binary or trans. And And people were asking me if I was. And so I started to think maybe I am. And you were there for all of that. Well, and you're coming and you're very young, right? Going to this place, you have a new understanding of yourself and beginning to understand yourself. It's not like you had had this identity for years it was a very new understanding of yourself and to get into these rooms with what your perception is these enlightened people these very well read academic your your circle of people and they all have this perception of the way you should be and then you are then projecting that back onto yourself and so it's just this well, this, I, yeah, I already thought they were better than me because right. I had imposter syndrome hardcore. I didn't right. go to a fancy school. I didn't go, I went to a public high school. I w- found myself in an Ivy League situation having no family history of anything that fancy, not knowing how to even be. And then the reason that 
Now, here's the thing, sitting in a pronoun circle and having people say different pronouns than you isn't a painful experience. What is a painful experience is constantly being asked the conversation, whether after. you're, yeah, <laughs> whether you're transitioning or being they themed by those same people and realizing that that's how they think you're supposed to be. That like the reason that there's only one of you in the room is that everybody else has decided differently. Yeah, you're a low level at Pokemon. You're a low level Pokemon. But, and it's not, I, I do, I truly think that trans men's experiences and choices are so separate from butch women's experiences and choices that that is not a comparison that I wish to draw. There is, however, a comparison between non-binary butches and butches who say they're women, where I just feel like we have to talk about the politics of those maneuvers. I feel like the words matter. And the fact that the other butches in the room said they were non-binary, knew that was their politics. And then I said I was a woman because I was passing as a man, knew that was my politics. Because we were using these terms in ways that were political assertions, it made me feel like I had the regressive one, mm-hmm. that my politics were the less evolved. Mm-hmm. Because the because non-binary and womanhood, the way that those can be asserted by people who have the same material type of body, right? Like we have dealt with at least that shared element of being perceptibly female, whether or not there's, there are large differences between our bodies, which I'm sure that there are, right? We have dealt with being perceptibly female and our different interventions in that are to call ourselves non-binary or women on either hand. And I knew that I could call myself non-binary, that I had that option. And so I'd been thinking about it, you know, still I'm thinking about it, and about what it does in the world, but it certainly made me feel like, oh, we're not doing the woman thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, then I would come visit Dallas and <laughs> there would none be none of those conversations. We're having none of those conversations and everybody would be a woman and I would feel so much better. Yeah. Like truly, honestly, I would just be like, okay, so people can be like me down here. People can be comfortable here. Yeah. Being who, whoever you are, no one's going to question what you're going to become. And it's, so this is the, my my rapid fire thing isn't working, but I can, I can go a little faster. I think if we just summarize that last one. So the patriarchy is guilty period. Number one, I was so alone, depressed, alone, constantly asked whether I was transitioning because I was a male passing female human being. Not whether you were, when you were. (laughs) Very, very often when, 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 yeah. Um, like what plans do you have kind of question? It was incredibly it was a horrible time. It was incredibly mm-hmm. painful. I thought because of the way that I was in bed, I thought that maybe they were right, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe there was something that I could do better and that that doing better would be to, at, if not, you know, be a trans man, since that's, since that would have been a commitment and a, an experience that I probably was not having. That's probably mm-hmm. not my experience, right? But the in, the implication was always for these other people that I needed to be moving away from womanhood somehow, mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. like either assert politically that I was non-binary and do that because we were doing away with gender or go on to transition, which is, that's kind of odd that they would then make that, that extra leap that like, are, are you transitioning? Right. But they did, they were doing all of that. Yeah. Right. So I felt so fucking alone. Are we doing away with gender creating are we binary? Doing, exactly. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like binary or, or get rid of it. And it was binary confusing. And, all. and I would just think myself in circles because yeah. exactly like that. I would go home and be like, well, what is all this? Yeah. Um, and then my advisor, Mayor Rolder Rice, um, I had a wonderful can advisor. We all, can we take away that title? If we're talking about words that matter, <laughs> advisor is strong. Um, so the Ivy League is evil, I think. I think 
the Ivy League is deeply patriarchal. I think that you can't say anything there that is controversial because everybody is really, really focused on turning over their own individual rock, writing a book about something that other academics can find interesting, going to conferences where their whole way is paid and they can just like fuck each other. Tiptoeing around, never really having conversations. I think people, the way the academic publishing market works, I've seen it, is you just publish about your thing that people can't argue with and then you're safe. And so there's, there are not meaningful conversations happening in the Ivy League. And what is happening in the Ivy League is that like anything that actually rocks the boat is getting forced out. So what has replaced feminist theory, and I have all the receipts on the website, is queer theory. And people constantly say that those two things are not in competition. Lies. <laughs> I have all the receipts for exactly the way that feminist theory, which was birthed by lesbians, was replaced by a thing called queer theory, which was created by Judith Butler largely, and then essentially taken entirely away from her. Like the things that people say about what Judith Butler said about gender mm-hmm. are lies. And that those interpretations, those misinterpretations that I've that I've written about are trickling down into uh, like across the university scape in the United States and in adjacent cultures because of the Ivy League. And so I think it's evil and it's patriarchal. The patriarchy is guilty. Um, my quote unquote advisor who openly said that she did not want to be my advisor um, but became my advisor after my real advisor was denied tenure for bullshit reasons. For patriarchy. Again, reasons. patriarchy. Um, she said in my dissertation proposal, like when I was giving the defense of my proposal, that she didn't see herself as a queer femme in my project. And I was like, that's actually what it's about. What it's about is the, the word lesbian. Mm-hmm. But you don't use the word lesbian they for yourself. It about you. It ain't about you, sis. And so, (laughs) well, yeah, but she, she truly was like, there's no place for what you're doing. Like the word lesbian is going away. And, and I was like, well, I've shown you in the data how it's like disappearing in the academy. And she was like, well, that doesn't mean it matters in the real life, in in real life, in the real world. That's what she actually Mm -hmm. said. That doesn't mean that it matters in the real world. You have to prove that. And I was like, um, so in a weird way, you're saying that your work doesn't matter. <laughs> like that nothing we're doing here has any effect whatsoever. So that was odd. But then the other thing that like the moment, the peak moment of her anger at me, which actually got called out by another one of my committee members because he was like, what? Like this level of animosity. Animosity is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it's just because we had different perspectives on whether the word lesbian should exist, basically, like, or not should exist, but should be focused on right you know? I, w- I was like this word matters it's changing meanings matter and she was like no or like no <laughs> like basically would say like prove it but I was like I did prove it and she'd be like you didn't prove it like that was like exactly what was happening um but she at the peak moment of like the animosity she was like you know what Rachel some people do want gender to go away and I was like stunned what what is the well how rude of some people (laughs) another spongebob quote or something yeah yeah so like but that's what i was hearing yeah and again are you not a some people some people wanted to stay (laughs) it matters not only it's not like i even want it to stay it's like it just matters it just matters and you can't get rid of it so what are you talking about but also i mean on a basic level why are you even contributing those kind of ideas to a dissertation defense right like or dissertation so you guys might see why I quit because I had like a totally actually hostile advisor and I was like I don't think this is the place to write about these things because now I can write about it and publish it on my website just by myself and use all the fucks that I want so 
there's that. <laughs> so I kept hearing, you have no idea how many times I heard that the word lesbian was white, which was this super weird, like tossing of an identity category in with like a massive other structure of power that meaningfully intersects with it. But I was like, intersectionality. Inter- yeah. If you believe in intersectionality, what are you talking about? Why aren't we, aren't we, ne- aren't we needing to first off respect lesbians of color? Maybe ever read a lesbian of color who ever wrote anything maybe and also to think about how racism and gender genderism or feminine or sexism or any of those structures of power are operating separately and in tandem we can't do mm-hmm. that analysis if you keep equating these words and I, I just thought that was insane but i heard it so many times know. you know i did because i yeah. would come home and be like why are they saying that and then in in one of my classes i was like okay i don't know why you're saying that but um what do we do with like the concept of the lesbian? And they were like, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, and look, I have no words to use. I was like, I, you know, I know that trans lesbians exist, but I was like, I think what I am trying to get at is like the irreducibility of the situation of being female and like being homosexual, like female homosexuality. What do we actually like call that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were like, well, I guess lesbian. Then. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but I was like, so did we just not think that like, we needed a word like I just felt like I was screaming into the abyss I think that I I will say from my perspective I have been extremely confused with the the to me conflicting ideals of individuals identity and inclusiveness because to me inclusiveness is a huge umbrella we're taking so many people under our wing which is incredible and I love the inclusivity and tolerance I also love people's individualistic ideas and identities of who they are, but it gets frustrating when your specific identity is included in something that you don't identify with. Right. And then things that are included in your identity, like they do conflict. Yeah. Like my advisor looked at me and she was like, well, I don't need to be like genuinely looked at me as a student that she thought she was speaking to and said, you know, just because I'm queer, I don't want to be like the mentor for all the queer students right and I was like well number one I'm not even like right. I don't that word is not what I'm trying to get at and I, I've i never identified but you're being with included it in something you're not identifying yeah with. and when you're using it when you're using it as an umbrella term sure but like when when you're when we're having a really intense conversation about what the erasure is that I feel which by the way folks the patriarchy is guilty what is happening in the Ivy League is that words like woman and lesbian are and I have the data falling out of the conversation. So basically anything that is actually marked as having a relation to female bodies, that's what I mean. Words that are marked as being related only to a kind of material experience of femaleness are falling out. And if they're, I mean, those are the uses in in which they're falling out. The word woman remains, but is actually decreasing because I think it's tied to these really and has now gross been issues people redefined yeah it's been literally been redefined which i think makes sense but i also think the word female can't mean woman if the word woman doesn't mean female right so there's a tautology in the dictionary and i just think we need to separate those two terms but like it's like the liberals aren't paying attention to what's happening like mm-hmm. words wise and it's really important it's really important for us just to look at like how we're using the words to be respectful about using woman to include all kinds of people and to be respectful about using female to refer to a specific situation right um but the word woman and the word lesbian are decreasing in use because of, I think, their affiliation with the thorny, creepy issues around femaleness. So actually the context I'm talking about here, which I think is an apt context to judge 
um, this discourse in the academy as a whole is National Women's Studies Association conference programs, where I took like a huge chunk of data from every year and actually compared it longitudinally to the other years. And the words woman and lesbian are decreasing in use relative to the size of the program, essentially relative to the amount of the words that are used in general, um, which tells us a lot. And then the other thing that tells us stuff is um, like measures of which words appear next to each other and which words appear in titles. Um, so I can publish, I will publish all of that data on the website at some point. I just need to make it more readable. And the other thing I think it's useful to talk about is um, keywordness of words. So actually when you're talking about relative uses or changes in the frequency, the relative frequency of different terms over time, um, you can you can first, you can just look at like something like the titles of um, different talks and you can look at those on a, on a one by one basis and kind of compare them qualitatively across the years. That's easy. But then if you look at a, a whole corpus of data or corpora, like plural chunks of, of data and words, what you can actually do is check the keywordness of different terms. So like lesbian or different variations on that limit term, like lesbianism might have been a a higher keyword, like might've had a higher keyword score in 1979 than it does in 2018. Similarly, like on the flip side, queer might have a higher keyword score. And that's again, relative to the size of the corpus as a whole, it then might have a higher keyword score in 2018 than it used to, but also compared with the word lesbian. So you're, it's like kind of a, a quad way of looking at um, the changes in frequencies of words. I think people don't want to deal with like whether those words are transphobic. Oh, speaking of which, the patriarchy is guilty. A very, very high powered leader who was interviewing for a big old LGBTQ relevant leadership position at Penn in the interview. And I was on the hiring committee. I was the only person who took issue with this. But in her interview, she said that the word lesbian was fundamentally transphobic. And I've heard that many other times. And it's like, that's giving a lot of power to a word that a lot of people use for themselves. And like calling the word le calling the word lesbian a white word is accusing a lot of lesbians of color of being like- Liars? Handmaidens, <laughs> liars. Right, yeah, like, like what? what? And so I just think that what we say about words matters as much as the words we use. And the word lesbian for whatever reason was getting shit on. And I just yeah. could, I saw it a million times. I started studying it. And then I got shit on for even looking at it. Cause my advisor was like, shut up. <laughs> So I saw it right from top to bottom. This is happening. And it's not anybody, any individual person's fault. It's just the way the patriarchy makes you like fight like dogs for scraps. Mm -hmm. Like we're taking each other apart. Um, and female discourse, like discourse of the word female is, is really disappearing in all of that, like mm -hmm. intentionally, because not intentionally, I mean, but with motivation, because you're protected if you don't deal with it. If you just don't deal with it, it's really uncomfortable, don't talk about it. right? <laughs> Um, and the other thing, you and I can speak to this, the patriarchy is guilty, but all the students that I've taught who identify as non-binary were born female. Might as well. Many of whom like know that and say that they're female, but like assert non-binary identity as a politics, right? Yes. And like, I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Like, let's talk about the politics. But also I've been wondering where are my male students who would identify as non-binary? Cause I have plenty of out gay male students and out trans male students who want to transition. But the non-binary thing is what's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Right? And you've seen... I had zero... So I had I had um, male students who identified as gay. Zero of them were ever asked if they identified as female. 
Okay. Ever. Whereas my female students who were not necessarily their sexuality, but who came out as non-binary, they, before they decided that non-binary fit their understanding of themselves, they were asked if they were non-binary or if they were men or if they identified as male Whereas that's not happening on the flip side. It's not happening on the flip side. So that's what worries me. So as that's someone... what we've seen the patriarchy, like mm-hmm. the, the confusion. And 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 like I'm speak I'm not a I'm not a secondary school teacher. Like I didn't teach juniors and seniors. I taught like sixth graders. Yeah, this so, has hit high schools hard. Well, it has, but, but also, I mean, it's an incredible conversation to be having as a literally an eleven year old. And so I think that's my yeah. my take on this is as a, as a mom and as a, as a female bodied person, I want to understand it's more of an understanding of how are female born young women, if they identify as such are identifying and, and why so many of them are feeling that non-binary suits them. And Better. people, I mean, if, look, if you're going to call what we just said turfy, then you're too far gone and that's fine. Uh, like, it's, uh, don't call me that, please. I'm so scared. I'm scary word. But like, it, what we're it's, trying it's to just say, to understand, it's, I don't know. What we're, we're literally just trying to talk about something that's happening. It's and it's an observation it's, that I'm trying to understand. And it is a meaningful observation. And our students who are more self-aware are like talking about how non-binary is their politics. So then we need to have a conversation. If it's a politics, we have got to be talking about the discourse of what's producing these choices. Right. These are choices. Like examined lives are what feminism is made of. We got to be doing it. So as someone like this happened to me, God damn it, every day of my life, I was feeling like I should identify as non-binary, which is why it still survives as a question in my head. Right. Because I've been like, I grew up as a butch in an environment that constantly was like they theming me asking me whether I was going to transition asking me if what my pronouns were and nobody else in the room you know and I think because that's happened to me and I'm an adult I can't only imagine what's happening to our students and here's here's what god forbid they cut their hair short (laughs) and wear basketball shorts now which by the way they can't even do like my girls who identified as non-binary who have kind of I don't know. I'm calling them girls because I'm I'm still holding on to the word girlhood as something that young people experience. That like if you're a female-bodied person, you're perceived as a girl, and so you have a girlhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I have. I don't. I I don't know if I agree with myself on that. It's difficult. It's really difficult. <laughs> well, and also I feel. Oh Lord, that's a deep deep thought. But like, I'm I'm not a Southern person who's like how it like it bothers me so much when old teachers are like how do they even know if they like boys like that is so annoying to me um how do they even know yeah. if they like girls but I I do feel especially as a woman where I'm like you literally my students haven't hit puberty yet like I had no way to know whether I was trans and I was 25 like, like it's it, it, it and so it begs the question to those specific students like I I would love to better understand the drive that they feel that non-binary suits them best they like I, i'm just it's just questions it's, it's just, questions. just questions so many questions but it's like we're not even allowed to ask a question i'm not even allowed to and, ask <laughs> so shut up um but the thing is the reason and i should have started with this i should have led with this because it is well, the, we can edit it, it is make it that way that's true <laughs> um but the absolute 1000 percent reason that pushed me over into even making this whole website i think is that i had two girls who identify as girls 
come up to me, well, who currently identify with she, her pronouns. I don't know if they would call themselves girls. I don't know. I don't know if they call themselves women or whatever, but they, they were on the more masculine side of perception. And they, they asked me at two different points that I was a high school teacher, two different girls asked me, do you think I need to use they, them pronouns? Because I feel more masculine than other girls. And so I was like, that question alone makes it sound like someone is encouraging you to be different. And I want you to know you can be yourself. And I was like, so my answer was, you know, that's totally a personal decision. Nobody can tell you what to do. Right. Like, I can't tell you what yeah. to do. Just, just what you feel. But it, but it was this insecurity. The way that they asked me the question was in a mode of, because what like a teens, secret. What do tweens and teens need more than anything in the world? Approval. Guidance, guidance and approval. And if they are seeing a huge influx in the amount of people who identify with they them pronouns and they do not feel secure in their own identity at what it is at that state if you haven't hit puberty oh my lord you have no idea who you are <laughs> like also, it's so difficult to elephant in the room it fucking sucks to be a girl uh yeah it fucking sucks it rules to be a guy and it sucks to be a girl when you are in high school or middle school like oh, and the worst look, it's not that there aren't guys who are miserable and girls who are powerful but look at the majority of them look at what is going on with kids we have both taught kids it sucks to be a girl yeah so we have to take that we have to take that into consideration when we're choosing the politics around our words we have to understand that when my students looked at me and told me we have never seen someone like you who passes as a man and identifies as a woman we have never that means something. They didn't think it was possible. They didn't think it was possible. They didn't like think that me. was an option for them. Yes. So we have to be aware that like when people use identity words, we're using as Foucault would say, the available options and the options that present themselves with the most like force of varying kinds, including if you're, if you have something imposed upon you, you might have a reaction to that imposition. Right. But like all of this is within a social realm. And the main reason for this podcast was I was like, holy shit, something is happening. And we have got to talk. We have got to talk. We need like a come to Jesus meeting with all the LGBTQ people to be like, wait, which identities are we valorizing and which identities are we not? And you Ooh, cannot right. tell That's me. That's so true. Right? Because you cannot tell me that there are certain identities that are not valorized in the queer community above others. For instance, people constantly talk about cis lesbian privilege. I had, and this fucking hurts me to say, I had a friend. I didn't want to bring it up, but it's so important. I had a friend at school in, in Philadelphia who was sexually assaulted and didn't want to speak up because her cis lesbian privilege put her in a position over this other person who was a member of the queer community. And I didn't even know where to begin. I, I was like, but it's an assault. And then that, I mean, it wasn't my place to tell like, you know, there are a thousand million reasons why we would be uncomfortable reporting something to, you know, the school authorities or the police or whatever. But it was like, what does cis lesbian privilege even mean? Why is it coming into a conversation about the fact that you were sexually assaulted? Right. What? Mm -hmm. And also, it sucks to be a cis lesbian, too. It's really fucking hard. It's really threatening. <laughs> like, I mean, can we just say that all around, <laughs> like, I'm not talking about, like, an umbrella term but like it sucks to be literally anyone yeah <laughs> it sucks it's so hard and not i'm not gonna say it sucks but it is so hard to be a young girl and i can speak to that because that was me it is so difficult i can't even imagine how difficult living 
a trans experience, especially in the deep South, must be. Mm. I can't even begin to imagine, you know, not, I, I have not, I have always felt that my birth representation matched my identity. Like I've never had that feeling of uncertainty. And so I can't, like, I can't put myself in that place. And so I, yeah, I agree. I don't understand how that would impact your comfortability with explaining something that happened to you but it does come into play. It comes into play. And it's, and it's such, um, it's such a, uh, it's so of the moment, right? It was this moment mm-hmm. in the rise of certain discourses of what privileges existed that this person thought that her privilege, even in the event of a crime, trumped this other person to the extent that like, she would get over it all. <laughs> like yeah. not that she would get over it, but that like she, essentially what she said, and it, it was like super, I I respected it a lot. It was like very well thought out ethically. She was like, I think that there's a way for me to kind of remedy this through conversation. And I was like, okay, you do that. Like, I believe in you. You're very good at talking. Mm -hmm. You can, I think you can take this on. You don't have to report it, you know, like, cause I was trying, I was also walking the line of trying to be supportive after something like that. Yeah. But then I, um, I just remember thinking, but why the term cis lesbian privilege? In what way was that relevant to the the conversation because, because that's that's essentially a ranking system then of like different it's, it's like yeah, it's a rank it's like the privilege olympics of the queer community and the i was like I mean, but okay so okay the gaslighting is nuts like people online will if you try to talk about this and that's the other thing keep girl boss <laughs> the silencing is terrifying like oh my, oh, which so is why i'm so scared say, i can say this i think and the reason i say i can say this is because i probably won't look at the comments of what people have to say about me <laughs> Um, but I, I have, I've always been big into watching YouTube and because I want to understand non-binary and the trans community as much as possible, anyone who is willing to share their experience online, I would love to listen to them speak about their decision-making process and how Mm -hmm. they came to understand their identity. And so I followed this man who at the time was a trans woman and I followed their entire journey through multiple, many, many, many surgeries and um, hormone therapies and all of these things to go from male to female. And then several years later, watched them detransition from female back to male. And so- Does he use he and them now? Or just he? Just he. Oh, okay. And I remember being so- I felt so worried for them just because I know that that is worried for him. Sorry. It's difficult because I remember this person as both. both yeah, I know. Um, but I remember feeling so worried that the support that they got when the support that he got when he transitioned from male to female was so, that was the valor, right? Yeah. You are so brave. I am so proud of you for, you know, coming to be who you are and, you know, speaking about your experience and all of these positive things, so supportive. People from the LGBTQ plus community were shouting them out on Twitter and things like that. And then the detransition happened and not only was it silenced, but it was questioned. Mm-hmm. How would you know that that is what you should have done? Um, and I can't believe that, or this person was never really trans, um, even though- what does that even mean? And so I remember seeing the 
I mean, and this is bless this person for posting on social media because a person like me is like just trying to understand somebody's experience, right? Like I'm just trying to learn and then watching how in this very difficult time in their life and trying to understand themselves, they are not part of the crowd. They're not part of the crowd anymore. They're no longer cool. <laughs> and they're still posting about their experiences and their entire, it's it kind of reminds me of like the anti-MLM community when after you leave an MLM, like all your friends leave. Hmm. It was like the same thing happened. They had all of these people shouting them out on Twitter about how wonderful and brave they were. And then they detransition and their friends are all gone. They don't support them anymore. Nobody is supporting their understanding yeah. of themselves. And that just kind of sucks. I have some weird experiences about that, but I'll say- um possibly the worst of all the things that's that have happened to me as a butch lesbian is like being with multiple women yes multiple who say that I must be trans because of how I have sex mm. which is just and those people were not lesbians um but like they were women identified and that was ouchie so the gaslighting thing is nuts because people yeah. like people have online literally written comments on like things that I've said which again were not fucking offense they weren't offensive or mm -hmm. if you're offended that's okay but like they're, it's, it's not you. like it's not actually about you I was <laughs> trying to talk but like they would they like left a comment that like no one ever I think this happened twice or three times no one ever tells other people they need to transition and I was like that's fine individual like maybe individuals never directly say that but what I'm talking about is like the pressure that you get when people I mean, actually, like people did say I remember that exactly <laughs> happening though. To you. But like, okay, so that gaslighting is like ridiculous because it actually does happen. But then like there's also the whole social scale of all of this and the fact that like butch lesbians have since the beginning of time been thought to be wanting to be men and like the queer community is imposing that too. Yeah. Because everyone's constantly I feel like we've taken a few steps back trying because to... we're trying to be so inclusive. Yeah, and it's all just to shit on women. No, it's all just to shit on female-bodied people and what female-bodied people can do like the show feel good was like female-bodied people can't have sex like this and still be women what 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 a <laughs> hundred and ten <laughs> what that's a tiktok everyone no one cares um that's what i have a phd in TikTok. tiktok curation okay so there's some stuff so like you can't tell me that people haven't told me that what they've told me like bro but also like why do you think that you can just like fly in and be like you cis lesbians talking about okay fairy godmother of, tr of transitioning <laughs> bippity boppity you need the surgery <laughs> jesus i'm sure that's the turfiest thing you've ever said oh is it no oh, i'm no, just kidding I, mean, I don't I know i don't know it's too hard to figure out but well, i thought it was that. like without the cutesy bippity boppity they did they didn't <laughs> just, I'm, I'm, in tip, I, I'm, I'm imitating i'm imitating somebody mm-hmm they're the t-e-r-f-e's okay let's talk about binaries numero uno we got Zero female ones we got female plugs and male plugs which one's the female the o or the um, it's gotta be the o right so here's my right ew Zero can you one. stop your math teacher knock it the fuck off Not anymore okay well teachers principal if you're listening she just oh gosh she just no. made binaries sexual um so 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 male and female as like embodied situations are gonna reproductively matter but they're also gonna like affect your way of living in the world right like the things that turn you on are gonna be different what your body does in certain circumstances are gonna be now i'm getting gross yeah but like i'm, I'm done that's, yeah we can that's a wrap on that whole sentence but um 
the the female male quote-unquote binary is made up right the idea that like that is a like oppositional natural like this this plug goes into these holes thing (laughs) is like is made up like the word binary is like a an issue but the thing is binaries are built into our perception right like the whole this not this here not there have two ends two ends you know and it's those ends like masculine feminine is like um a perceptible perceptual situation if we may that is not escapable but here's my other thing about shitting on the word binary instead of just understanding that we're trapped in it like we're trapped in like binary thinking because humans think like that like we perceive in categories any good old post-structuralist will tell you like when you think one thing it's to the exclusion of all the things that are outside of that category right like if you think dog dog has like an opposite whatever and then there's the mm-hmm. defervance whatever we're not going there because Derrida's kind of a pain in the ass but like that's how we think so we're not gonna get away from it but then the other thing is like the people who shit on binaries are creating like the most intense new binary between cis and trans mm-hmm. and I that was the other thing about saying my pronouns I would say she her but I would be I would want to add something like but it's complicated yeah or like but I but I use a strap on or like but but I have short hair and people serve me all the time. Like I wanted to add more to the pronoun thing. But it doesn't have to be a pronoun. It can just be. It. I don't know. It just felt like. Sorry, I interrupted. No, you. you're fine. I didn't have a thought. It sure went through an ellipsis that was in the air. <laughs> it was a very thoughtful um, ellipsis. It's a thought that counts, except there was no thought there. Well, counted to zero. <laughs> <laughs> and one. Stop. <laughs> so basically, what is happening where like there's a new binary where it's like I'm cis and not trans even though the way I live is so like quote-unquote gender non-conforming quote-unquote non-binary and I get like read as trans so much like what if we're not talking about like the politics of perception then what are we talking about really um in the binary conversation like now I'm not like this is not actually gonna make sense because we've been recording for like 67 years but but it does does it not feel like it's a new binary it does that like if you're cis then you're not trans like if if you're cis then you don't have a complex relationship with gender like yeah like being a cis woman is like a pit you don't want to fall into where like people are simple and their relation to their bodies is simple it's oversimplification yeah and it's like but all of us have like crazy shit like and i think this is and that's 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 why when i was talking about jeffree star who once again very cancelable um i when he said why can't we just be people i mean that's an oversimplification for freaking sure but it it does like when we're talking about binaries and categories i feel like people's identities now have like 97 different adjectives and ways to describe themselves the way that they look the way they present the way that they have sex the way that they whatever there are a million different qualifiers for their identity when they could just like there are so many labels that at what point it's like I would like to just get to know you exactly. Like, can I just talk? Well, and if you're and, and you're saying it's kind of like an exclusionary. If you are this, then you're not this. And I'm like, yeah. But is that always? <laughs> because I I don't know. I don't know. It's just and it, and it's it's not to say that there's any one way to do this. That's why we're like we're not talking about people. We're talking about like the experience, the the system, the yeah broader, like the way our experiences broad. are structured because they are clearly structured by power. We all know that. So the question then is like. How is our thinking about these things today structured by what has come before? And we would say deeply structured by the patriarchy, which again, conceals itself, just like racism, conceals itself into the woodwork. So you can't even tell when you're doing it. You can't even tell when you're doing it to yourself. Um, 
And like the very idea that like I couldn't be the way that I am and still be a woman was like dogging me forever. And like that was me patriarchying myself, right? Mm -hmm. And thank God I got out of it. But okay, so we have to deal with the fact that, and this is the depressing stuff, right? This is why we're here. You and I have both had assault experiences Mm -hmm. that were tied to our bodies being the way that they Mm -hmm. were being read. The targeting of female bodies for sexual abuse, domestic violence persists. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to be hard for us to deal if we can't talk, if we can't use the word female to talk about a situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. Oof. But then also, and these are things we can't end there. We can't end there. Um, but things like what Judith Butler said about celebrating the word female. So like Judith Butler actually didn't think that your gender could be whatever you want it to be. Another quick interruption to clarify that um, Butler was just deeply Foucauldian. So she believed that like the tools that we have to describe our genders and do gender and even to do her famous concept, gender performativity, like how that was going to unfold in our lives would be um, contingent on the tools of language and other tools that we've been given by history. She wrote a book um about bodies mattering right after gender trouble that that people don't read with the attention that it deserves and they people don't ever talk about how she's a lesbian but what she was doing was saying that like the female body as a situation is always like set up in a certain way by the patriarchy to be queer because we're not the default like mm-hmm. person of power in we're not there's a lot to be said about that theory and it it I am oversimplifying and it can be oversimplified to the detriment of like what she actually said and also to the truth. But the idea is that when when female-bodied people do anything we're not supposed to do, we're already queering shit. And so like her queer theory was incredibly built up in the the fuckery around gender that like people in a quote-unquote female situation can do. And also the fuckery around gender that like people in a male situation can do. So she, but she was exploring the relation between materiality and language instead of like exploding it and saying that like anybody can be anything. She was saying anybody can be anything and you can live, you know, leave your, excuse me, live your life as you want and you should. And that we, that's how we can change gender. She was saying all those things, but she wasn't saying that there is no there there in the sense that we can escape the kind of fundamental perceptual binary of male, female. Like Butler did not say that we could escape that. She said we could fuck with it. And so like really reading her for how much she loved lesbians is worth doing. Um, So basically I don't want butch women and truly like butch women who have come up through being female, whose trajectory has been stuck in that situation to feel like they need to be anything other than who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, unless they do feel like they are other than their current embodiment. Like that- that person not pressure from other people or pressure to fit in but unless they feel that that so I'm gonna throw back to a sister story um (laughs) so when I going through my young years I was raised Methodist um in the south and Rachel was very atheist from a very early age (laughs) and was defiantly maybe so. even less so now really honestly yes her rage <laughs> against rage against the methodist machine um <laughs> like literally the chillest religion yeah so many hymns dude <laughs> but i remember being like rachel i think i am a different religion and you were like okay well what do you believe and i was like i don't know and you were like 
well, I can like Google some religions for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And so you Googled some, <laughs> and I, do you remember it? And you were like reading about Wicca and I was like, oh, that sounds good. And you're like, but do you believe it? And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And you're like, no, but do you believe that that <laughs> is the way the world works? And I was like, I could. And you're like, no, no, you have to believe <laughs> that that is the truth. And I was like, but it sounds cool. I would love to talk to animals or I want to be Pocahontas. Or I said, wow, I was kind of ridiculous. annoying. We were both annoying, but heck yeah, we were. But I feel that way as far as I feel that way about other people's gender. It's like, I want them to believe it. I want that to come from them and not to come from an exterior yeah. force saying that sounds good for you, that you should be trans, you should be non-binary because that's that's what I perceive is best for you. Because what sounds good is structured. Right. By power. Right. Like it's, yeah. So, uh, yes, being, being male presenting would be amazing for me. <laughs> like, I would get so, I would get paid more. I would get, you know, things handed to me a lot easier for being a white man or whatever. But I, for anyone who feels that their identity is not their assigned sex or gender at birth or whatever um I want them to feel that need for change you know from within from within because you did not feel that from within you did not feel non like you should be non-binary or trans until you went to Philly and it was impressed upon you me yeah but then I did feel it and but then so, you did, but, but then it was a real feeling for you because you yeah were questioning it. which is yes. why and people are like don't talk about that because it sounds like I'm then saying that that could be every other non-binary oh, no, experience, no. but that's not the situation. It's just, that was my experience that I was like, I really truly felt that there was something that needed to change about me right. to make sense because the economy of sense-making around me could only make sense of me if I identified a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a super close friend who has, who has been through all this stuff. We've been talking about it a lot and it's like very true in uh, around the country in different places that we've lived in that um the queer community in particular has become this space where it's like they expect that if you look like us you are not a woman like Mm -hmm. that's just what makes sense and so you actually end up shocking members of the queer community way more than the straight community yes when you say you're a woman which is fucking weird yeah um so like let's just push the brakes a little bit on like on creating an entire new system oh my gosh on assuming someone's gender (laughs) (laughs) it's the same damn thing um it's everywhere. It is everywhere. So dear LGBTQ plus community, you guys do it too. Period. <laughs> That's why I understand. Hey. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I think we need to like really put like a little microscope magnifying glass on whether the, the new binary between cis and trans is doing work that it shouldn't. Like basically saying that like one side of that has a really simplistic relation to gender. Because I always... I was just like, but it's so much more complicated than like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, my my soul was screaming out to talk about who I really was, but I got kind of lumped into this category of cis women because I was like, well, I am a woman, at least mm-hmm. for the time being. And I felt, I just felt like I was basic for it. Yeah. Basic. 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 And like, and, your PSL. and shit, I've heard so many like femmes, like I, I was talking to femme lesbians who no longer identified as women which isn't so much true here like Mm -hmm. my wife is a woman like all that but who who were doing the thing that I had mentioned earlier like saying well I'm I'm non-binary because I don't do cis womanhood like other Mm -hmm. cis women but it's then like so the question is Is maybe that's true you actually take away like well yeah the question is just what what is the word doing then and then further what what would the existence of 
non-binary as that kind of intervention due to the perception of other cis women is that then saying that other cis women are simple and other non-binary women and other yeah non-binary people with different politics around being non-binary so it's like the whole point of this podcast is like shit we just need to talk there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff happening here and there's so much weird canceling and silencing around even raising these these differences Mm -hmm. when really what we're just trying to talk about are differences between experiences that are being like crab meat lumped together but like not delicious so lumpy um and we just need to separate them like conceptually not like segregationally oh my god <laughs> canceled oh my god <laughs> so i've written a lot about this stuff there's one there's this article that i showed you um in a journal that is wonderful called the transgender studies quarterly it publishes all kinds of amazing things it published one really weird thing recently and the the article that i um have like written about in detail on the website it says different things about sex and gender but it does so from a position of total like authority like Mm. total as though the as though the issues that it describes are closed and the things that it says include and this i showed you this part specifically the first time i read it because i just thought it was fascinating at one point it says sex-based rights activists or who, however they're referring to those people. I think they say like gender critical feminists who they again lump in with fascists and with sex-based rights activists. Like all those words are being used the same way, which if you're looking at the discourse, you know, they're different. Like right. there's different strains of these things and there are intersections, but they're not like the same. So they lump all those things and they say that that group of people, singular group of people takes issue with quote unquote, excuse me, quote, the feminist theoretical notion that sex and gender are cultural constructions. Maybe they say inventions, but they say that it is a feminist theoretical notion that sex and gender are both culturally constructed. That's not a feminist theoretical notion that I know of in the whole history of feminism because it's been pretty foundational to talk about materiality and discourse as these two separate spheres. So if I'm trying to fight the over overpainting of the drama around like the body if i'm trying to fight that and talk more and create more discourse articles like that are trying to shut down discourse because they're what in one move those those folks basically said like it is not feminist unless you believe that sex is culturally constructed which most feminists that i am aware of don't believe and their citation for that was one page page 300 of one 2016 article that was their citation for what feminism believes about sex and gender. And I was just thinking, wow, like this is what, this is the academic world that I came from. Um, and it's what I saw where like, we're, we're over painting. We're like making a caricature that all the academics agree upon for like the people who aren't allowed to talk, mm-hmm. you know? But in this instance, they're saying that feminists- Grossly could... restating <laughs> something that one person said. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What, and, and- when we are making those giant moves about who's allowed to talk and at the same time misquoting like feminism in general, Mm -hmm. I want to raise a red flag. Now, I do want to tell you to go to Transgender Studies Quarterly and read everything by C. Riley Sorton and Kai Green. Like that journal is badass, which is why when, and of course I follow it because I care about it. So when I saw that like whole, it was actually a whole issue. That was the introduction to the issue. And the issue caught my attention because it was, it was labeled something about like something that pointed to, it was going to talk about turf turfishness or turfism and I was like okay I want to hear like what how they're going to treat this (laughs) I want to hear how they're going to treat this issue because these are 
academics and I've been waiting for scholarship to come out around Mm -hmm. the way that word is used. But then I realized they were using the word turf as like a foregone term of scholarship with its own definition, but they never defined it except to say, except to align it with fascism and to say that it was the same as the sex-based rights rights activist folks and the, the, you know, feminists who were liars. And it was like a big lumping. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're anti-lump. So I just noticed, I think I'm going to edit that because it was an awkward moment, but I just noticed that Mara was nodding, but also like stuffing toilet paper into a roll of toilet paper. Like you created like a little flower. It's a flower. And I just feel like maybe we're both exhausted and I'm doing the thing where I just keep talking, even though I'm tired and need to stop. So I think we're going to wrap it up. My sister and my um, husband do the same rambling. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Okay, there you go, folks. In summary... We are going to keep writing. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep encouraging talk, even if it's difficult, about all the words that we use. How should I end this? Scatting. <laughs> Can you do it? Skip it out. Oh, wait. Oh, what's, that the was Tarzan? what's the Tarzan thing? Uh, Actually, for some reason, that makes me angry. Scatting. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to do uh, Donnie from Wild Thorn Boys? I thought you Wild- did, Donnie. No. Also, are you having a strong <laughs> wild bombard? <laughs> okay, well, we actually do need an ending, so. Um, yeah, okay, so come back next week because we're going to uh, talk about probably more just sex, just straight sex. And Mar- I will not Mar- be just not going to be on the episode. So we've got like some juicy stuff, juke moist stuff lined up. Um, no we got three episodes that. just waiting. Out. So come back next um, next week and it'll be less boring. <laughs> Scott Wing. Thanks, Scott Wing. We love you, Karen and Georgia. Bye. 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 (laughs) Say thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Back again like flu season. I broke records while loose leafing. I'm coming now, my roof leaving. Don't give a f. I don't care. Uh, did the for my lonesome. No wonder now I'm on one. No shortcuts on that long run. All I really want is my share. Uh, get on my god on my totem is nothing. In the discussion. Okay, well. We actually do need an ending, so. So what do you want to do about that? <laughs> this is not my project. That's Why are you so good at drawing hearts? You know why? It's because you're a cis woman. <laughs> Fucking basic mash. <laughs> I actually do. She did an uh, like mash. M-A-S-H. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You're being <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, okay. So come back next week, because we're going to uh, talk about Mom, here's the Bee Gees I promised you. Well, how can you get erased by the man?